Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as he makes all things new. We are excited to pursue his heart for the greatest city on earth and the center of the city in this great neighborhood of Humble Park. All right, I'm back. Thanks, you guys, for your patience. And, and being nice Christians, that's a good thing, to be nice. It's like, that's the least a Christian can do is be nice. You know what I mean? It's like, how are you going to be mean and love Jesus? That's just not a good, uh, you know. Anyway, you know, everything is a message. It could be a message. Um, last week, Mason preached on Ephesians, the first half of chapter 3. I'll be going in the second half, and this is going to end our little chunk of Ephesians that we've done from Ephesians 1 to Ephesians 3. Then we're going to a hunger and thirst that's really about us being hungry. I haven't given much um, guidance for a fast that we're starting on Wednesday, but there's a lot of freedom in that. So if you want to fast, you know, social media, you want to fast food, you want to fast whatever it may be, when we take something out of our lives that we don't see as essential, then it allows God, who is essential, to fill it. And just to let you know, I've seen tremendous fruit from me saying, I'm going to fast social media to noon. I call it analog mornings, you know, AM. So if it's possible with work, you know, we have a lot of things that we do. I will fast social media to noon, and I've seen fruit from my life from just doing that. So let you know that it can run the gamut. Some people are going to want to do a Daniel fast, which is a vegan fast, uh, maybe no meat, no alcohol, whatever the things that people do on Lent. But know that the essential purpose of it is for us to empty our lives of things so God can begin to fill them in. And trust me, whenever we've done this as a body, it's fruit that has happened almost immediately. We may have concerns about resources or concerns about, God, how, how do we continue to galvanize people? How do we continue to go in this, in this way? But there's something about fasting and laying things on the altar for God. So I just want to encourage you. I'll send out a, um, that email as well to have information in it. Um, to just encourage you in this process to know that we're doing this together. And also, which I've never, I haven't made any announcement, but I probably should, are, we're doing a joint Ash Wednesday service with all of the Missio Day congregations. On Wednesday, this is going to be in Lincoln Square. So Missio Day Lincoln Square, I believe at 7 p.m.? Is that right, 7 p.m.? Yeah, 7 p.m. at Missio Day Lincoln Square, which is Ravenswood and Montrose. I used to work there, so I know where it is, but... Um, Ravenswood and Montrose, 7 p.m. on um, Wednesday. It's really good. We'll get all the body together. We won't have any child care or anything like that, um, but it'll be a time for us to worship together as a body. I believe Matt is going to be doing some worship. I'll be doing some kind of prophetic something declaration. You know, I'll be bamming the area. That's, that's all that's going to happen. So come on out if you're free at that time and want to be a part of uh, this, that time. So here we are. Ephesians 3. Uh, 14 through 21, maybe some of the sauciest words in Scripture. Can you use saucy and Scripture together? I think you can, right? It's saucy? Okay. Scripture is saucy, and this time is the, the, the culmination of this portion. And actually, Paul ends it with a doxology. A doxology is a praise to God that makes it seem like he was ending this passage. So I wouldn't be surprised if this was actually two letters. Ephesians 1 through 3 was one letter and 4 through 6 is another letter. 
um, because of the superfluous words that he used to describe this love of Christ that fills everything. What do we know about the content, character, composition of love? Love can be, you know, taken wrong, right? We just had Valentine's Day, and oh, I love you. You're so awesome. Me and my wife went out to dinner. You know, everybody is sitting there, some out of obligation, some out of, you know, they're just in love. And you're just like, I just love you so much. Oh, that's awesome. But do we really, really know what love is? The love of Christ that fills everything. It is not some temporary feeling that becomes fleeting whenever trouble or tribulations arise. It is something that lasts for all generations. And not just that, it is growing and expanding as we speak. In Ephesians 14, it says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and the earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God, And now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Doesn't that sound like some of his finality, right? But no, we have three more chapters that exist in Ephesians. Paul was writing this to the perfect church to strengthen them, to give them a vision beyond of where they were. To know that ever since Christ came to earth, his love has been growing and expanding. Where do we get this idea of love being scarce? We get it from a world that markets scarcity very well. Because it creates an urgency in us to purchase and consume and to do those kind of things. But love is not scarce. It is always growing. It is always expanding. And Isaiah where it says, of his government and of peace, there will be no end. The love is all. So why, how come I don't feel that? How come I don't feel this love that, I I have a limited commodity. I have a limited amount of time. I have a limited amount of sacrifice that I can do, God. How do I tap into this infinite nature? Today, I really just want to give you some, some practical some, some admonition, some encouragement, and something that you may be already doing. How can we recognize where the love of Christ is in our lives? Because it is very different from the love of the world, which is conditional, which is based on reciprocity. It's based on what you do for me and I do for you. You love me, I love you. That's the way it is, right? But the love of Christ is not based on reciprocity, that he loves those who may never ever say, I love you, Lord, back. But yet and still, it's always expanding. In Colossians 1 and 6, it talks about the gospel that has come to you just as in all the world. Also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing. And you also, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. 
So when we experience this love and we have this salvation moment, Jesus, I love you. We're in tears. And then we wipe our tears and we get up and we start paying bills. <laughs> and it's like, dang, where's that? What happened to this love, Lord? I can't, you know, I just can't feel it as easily. It is still growing and expanding, even in our hearts. That how is it that we are even less likely to sacrifice for each other, having this love of Christ in our hearts? That it would make us look like him, but we think of love sometimes as like a gas tank, right? We think that it is something that's full. You ever heard the term, you know, my tank is full, my love tank is full, right? I got to spend time with people that I really love, and now I feel filled up. We think of it as a commodity that is poured in, and it comes out, and it's poured in, and it comes out. But when he says that it fills everything with the fullness of God, it is more like an ocean that cannot be exhausted. Well, how, how come I feel exhausted, Lord? <laughs> how come I feel like I can't love anything or any person well enough? Like I'm always missing the mark. And Paul, of course, gives us a little insight early on in Ephesians that we should be seated in Christ. Why? Why should we be seated in Christ? Because then we know any love that we are able to show anyone else doesn't come from our effort. It comes ultimately from being connected to Jesus. That it does pour and pull the anxiety and fear out of our lives. Perfect love casts out fear. I'd love to talk about how that is a scientific fact, that our cortisol levels are high when we're afraid. And you know what? The good endorphins and hormones that come in when we're in community and feeling love drives out cortisol. It is a very interesting way to think of that God understood all this that we are not managing a shrinking supply. Ah, I don't have any love left. Okay, I'm all out of Valentine's. No more love left. No, this is this love that is expanding. But how do we know love? That our memories decide how we know love. Galatians 5, and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's the first fruit. You know, if I can't feel love, I can't feel Jesus. I wonder why sometimes that I can listen to certain people talk about scripture or hear someone talk about theories or hear someone talk about concepts that are biblical. And I'm like, it's just something that doesn't sit right with me because I must feel the fruit. And as it says in our original text that we would be Rooted and grounded in love, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, depth, and height. 
rooted in love, seated in Christ, rooted in love. I was trying to think of a good metaphor for that, um, bet- between being rooted in love and experiencing the love of the world. Anybody ever tasted an apple from the supermarket, right? And they, like, are sometimes frozen, and it's just like, and they got the little film on the outside, and it's, you know, it's an apple. It's the thing that we have available for all the season. Has anyone ever tasted an apple standing in the middle of the orchard, right? It's a little bit of a difference, picking it off the tree and standing there among all this growth and beauty and then eating an apple. That's what it's like to be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. That we are tasting from the source something that he has created for us to enjoy from very a much long time ago. But the world likes to take it and create a counterfeit in the midst of our love that is authentic. And convinces us this is what love is. The, the best description that I have for love is it is not a feeling. What? No, it is not a feeling. It is an action when you don't feel like it, right? This week, my son, you know, he's going to hang out with his friends, and I know he's going to be out a long time, right? And so, but I'm getting tired, all right? I'm like, it's 10 o'clock. I've been up probably since 4 or 5, and I'm like, I'm just going to lay in bed, all right, with all my clothes on. You ever do that? Like, I'm really going to get up and paint the house, but let me just lay down a second. If you don't know, wait till you get a little older, then you, you understand that. So I'm just laying there like, all right, uh, I know he's going to call me. And then I'm starting to drift off, and then he calls me. And I'm like, okay, I need to get up, go put my clothes on, and go pick him up from his friend's house, and it's so cold outside. And I need to do it with complaining as little as possible. (laughs) Because my mantra for the year is what? My life is not my own. That in the beginning of me loving and meeting my wife, yeah, it felt like a feeling, right? It was, it, it was awesome. It was amazing. And I love, no, I love you. I love you so much. And then it becomes we have to choose someone above ourselves. We have to sacrifice when we don't feel it. What is the problem? Why are we so divided in the world? Because people are loving what they feel and opinions that they value in themselves, But the love of Christ is what empowers us to love people who believe and feel the exact opposite. Love your enemies. Do well to those who who harm you. Wow. I'm supposed to be looking for opportunities to be uncomfortable. Why? Because the love of Christ exists inside of me and empowers me to comprehend what I cannot I thought I knew so much. But if I am rooted and grounded in love, maybe I will be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Last week, Mason preached about the first part of this chapter and the mysteries of Christ. The mysteries of Christ, which really are the future. That we exist in a way that um, we don't know what's coming, right? (laughs) Especially 
in this uncertain world of UFOs and, you know, I mean, pandemics and what is going on. Ten years ago, we'd be like, oh, yeah, that's a movie. No, it's not a movie. It's reality now. And eggs are $13. <laughs> I feel so old. I went to 7-Eleven yesterday to get some ice cream, and uh, the dude's like, rung it up $10 for a carton of ice cream. I'm like, $10, man? Are you? I was like, I was here a month ago, and it was $7. And so he, he took $3 off. <laughs> this world that we live in that we don't know what to expect. I don't know what I'm going to see on my receipt after I pay for this stuff already. You know what I'm saying? We don't know what the future. But what happens is when we're living with this love of Christ, we can bravely walk into the mystery of the future without fear. Why? Because he is there with us. And anyway, I have decided to lay my life down and I have decided to be active when I don't feel it. I've decided to reach out to people who can do nothing for me. I've decided to love people who cannot return the same love to me. Then we get out of a commodity, and then we access the infinite nature of the love of Christ. That we can stand in a place, this isn't a transaction. This isn't something that, oh, I, you know what I'm saying? I got to, my investment, my, my ROI has got to be good, you know what I'm saying? Before I can love you. But we can do that freely. And in freedom, God can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think that we must regard our heart as higher than our minds because he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Yes, we should think, but we shouldn't let that be the top of our comprehension of his love. One of the best things about humans is experience, and one of the worst things about humans is experience, that our experience creates a box that God must move in we can't understand or comprehend how his love grows greater than that. I always, I think I've said this before about a beautiful, God showed me his love as being like a beautiful castle. One of those old castles in Europe or something. And it has, it's filled to the brim with rose petals. That the amount of money it would take to do that, the amount of the smell that it would assault the senses with, how people would see that as waste, and that is a glimpse of the love that Christ has for us. Filled to all the fullness of the earth. Father, let me be filled with your love so that where I go, I am not aware of lack, but I am aware of the fullness of what you're doing because when I show up empty, Father, I don't know if I have anything to give anymore. When I personally don't think it is relationships that exhaust us, it is tasks that exhaust us. But somehow we're just like, I don't have room for more friends. I don't have room for people in my life. Like, I need to really keep, be focused on, you know, loving the people that I have. And all, but the love of Christ is always expanding and it's always growing. And it's always saying, God, how can I show love to someone else and not be so aware of scarcity? That it's a moment where I really need to speak to someone about something. I really need to encourage someone in this moment. But I'm running late. Trust me, it always happens that way. 
I'm running late. I'm out of time. But I feel pulled to speak something good to a person, God. How do I do that by your spirit? That the first fruit of the spirit is love. I sat down with my kids this week and told them something. I don't know if I've ever told them before. I was like, sit down. I'm gonna, we're after dinner. I'm going to tell you something important. They're like, oh, man. Usually when I do that, it's like we're moving. <laughs> I'm like, we're not moving, okay? <laughs> I just told them, do not let anyone dim your light. The way that you shine, the way God has made you to express your gifts in the world, don't let anyone dim it. Don't let anyone intimidate you into not walking in the fullness of who you, he's called you to be. That he has made you uniquely in this world. And that our feelings of scarcity or stepping on someone's toes or, or, or being less than he's called us to be really has us ingest and live in fear so much. But the power of God's love is always working in us and through us that we may know him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly all above all that we could ask or think. So be around those who dream big. Be around those who think of what God can do and not what he can't do. This is a picture of snowflakes, uniquely made under a microscopic lens. Random snowflakes. How amazingly unique each and every one is made, and everyone is made different, like Matthew 5. Think of how God cares for the lily of the valley. Think how uniquely he has made you. So in this world, we need every bit of who you are because you love in a way that God has made you to love that we need. So don't turn that down. Actually, turn it up. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is head of all principality and power. The fullness dwells in the Godhead bodily. You guys want to stand up? I thank you, Father, for us being able to look for your fullness of love wherever we go. That we would be able to see your goodness all around us. Help us to recognize it in our lives, God. To differentiate it from the world's limiting supply. But from your endless love in Christ that is so pure and so beautiful that it creates in us a clean heart, God. I thank you that this love will take us to the ends of the oceans, Lord God, and to the ends of continents, take us places that we've never thought that we'd be before, God. 
but we love you and we thank you for who you are and who you made of to be. In Jesus' name.